turn around look at what you see i'm singing a theme song from a movie we're not talking about but it's the same genre and i fought for it to be in this podcast but we're not doing it anyway so uh 80s fantasy <laughs> wow uh, 80s fantasy <laughs> and we're covering it through legends with tom cruise who is a, as is his pair and um we're also talking about willow and lady hawk we are excluding other favorites like never ending story and labyrinth and dark crystal but I'll leave that alone for now. So you've just got these three. Okay. Look I feel like them. I'm getting thrown under the bus here. Like, oh, I fought for these movies. But Richard, Richard said no. So, so please allow me to briefly explain why I chose to limit my criteria of these mm -hmm. 80s fantasy films. It is not due to hatred of the other titles that were uh, proposed. It is due to the fact of two main reasons. Number one, all three of these movies were directed by iconic directors. And we'll get into the, the three movies in a minute here. And number two, all of these are fantasy movies that are strictly told in a fictional time and place they do not tie into the modern in any way they are strictly in one setting and they don't interweave between the the present at the time that the film was made and and the past or the alternate world or whatever it is so they're self-contained three stories with three very iconic directors and i felt like they were a good trio of films so i have defended myself from your flaming arrows i did not mean them to be flaming arrows oh you want them to be poison minute to be funny but anyway um so <laughs> legend I, I did not feel truly assaulted and, I, and lady I, I, here I'm, I'm smoothing over the the, the... <laughs> Yeah, I'm still laughing. Um, uh, Lady Hawk, yes, we said that, and Willow. So, what would you like to declare as your week? What's up? Wait, what's did we week? say all three movies already? Yeah, I said it oh, twice. We did? Yeah. Oh wow, man, I'm already zoning out. <laughs> this is not a good side for the episode. Okay, so my week is legend. My week is also legend. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> okay. And I'll, I'll, so the, yeah, go ahead. The first thing I want to point out about this film is why can't somebody give Tom Cruise some pants? <laughs> he goes through this entire film with no pants. Mm. At one point, he's got Wait armor. a minute. Why is that a bad he's got thing? a sword and he's got a shield, <laughs> but he has no pants. Again, why is that a bad thing? <laughs> I'm sorry, but it was awkward at some points. It was just awkward. <laughs> He's wearing like a loincloth. I saw too much of that loincloth for my my personal comfort. Just didn't make sense. Somebody <laughs> give Tom Cruise some pants. Anyway. <laughs> Done with that. 
And that was that was the the sole reason it was your week. Yeah, that's the whole no, no. There's there's plenty more. <laughs> um, so I feel like this movie has pieces of a good movie in it, but the pieces were neither properly assembled nor were they polished. Ridley Scott directed this film. It was a flop, and you can you can see why. Um, while it is it, visually, it's it's beautiful, and uh, I will very, talk about the good things in it very uh, because there are good things in this movie. Um, the dialogue is very simplistic. Um, it does not feel polished. It feels um, almost childlike, but the movie's tone is definitely not what I would call conducive to childlike. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, um, you know, and it doesn't really make sense. Like, I finished the movie and part of me was kind of like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. Um, and, and not that I... Uh, and I'd like to think I'm a reasonably intelligent person, but like the logic does not string together very well. And because of a, then B because of B then C it's like, because of a, then G minus three times the power of four. <laughs> um, and it's like, what? Um, very simple things like Tom Cruise has a sword and a shield at one point, And then all of a sudden he has neither. And there's no explanation as to why they no longer are present. There's no logic to it. And so at one point he's doing stuff and you're like, oh, wow, you could really use that sword and shield that you had earlier. Wait, where, where are those? And there's no explanation. And um, you have awkward singing going on. Uh, <laughs> Princess There's Lily, all kinds of awkward everywhere. Uh, she sings at certain points in the film. And it's never good. Not that she's a bad singer, but like it feels awkward. It's uncomfortable. I did not. I, I, I felt like I was intruding in a moment where I did not want to be in the first place. Um, and it just there was a lot of things that did not work. Tim Curry works, though. Yes. I, I mean, I it. it Tim Curry works. Let's put that in all caps, bold, underline. He is the best part of this movie. One could argue he's the only part of this movie that one should even watch. Um, the makeup is fantastic. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, truly Beautiful. amazing. And his performance within that makeup, because you know that it is just pounds and pounds of weight and and pain and suffering on him he is amazing in the part he he makes his line shine even though you know if they were coming out of someone else's mouth they'd probably be garbage like most of the other dialogue in this movie but <laughs> he makes it work he is so good and the the practical effects of his makeup are better than 99 percent of the cgi that is coming out right now. Snaps. You're absolutely right on that. Absolutely um, right. The other standout is um, the Meg Mucklebones, the witch creature that comes out of the water and uh, flirts slash attempts to eat Tom Cruise, like everyone does. Um, 
Just get in line, honey. <laughs> the um, the practical effects there are so good. And uh, you have a, a talented performer, again, under all that prosthetic, Robert Picardo. For those of you who know your Star Trek, he is the doctor on Star Trek Voyager. Um, shout out. Um, so they are the two best parts of the movie. Everything else doesn't really hold up together. It's visually beautiful, but it is not a good movie. It is nice looking. It is not nice watching. It's like it's like Picasso. It's like a Picasso. Like it's kind of like, oh gosh, that's awesome. But like, if you 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 have to take it in, I don't know a certain way. Um, and I love Picasso, by the way. Mm. Um, I didn't necessarily love this film though, so maybe that was a bad comparison. <laughs> um, but I do. Backing I will, up on that analogy. Oh yeah, backing up on the analogies. <laughs> Not even a slow backup, like a real fast one. <laughs> um, I totally agree with you about Tim Curry. Um, and holy cow, as distinct and interesting as Tim Curry's voice and presence are, sometimes it was hard to find him in there, which is pretty impressive yes. because the makeup was so astounding and his, his performance is just incredible. But I tell you what, the moment that I was like, are you for real on this film? I, I trudged through a lot of stuff before this too. And I was like, um, okay, um, okay. Well, I really like fantasy, so this is, this is fun. But um, okay, um, it's when Tim Curry's character is talking about how he's like falling in love with this chick, yes. like the things that he says. It's like so overtly sexual in this like <laughs> children's fantasy like land. Right. It's like, oh my gosh, this whole thing is like a sex fest. What's going on? Oh, what kind right. of film? What like? did you really think out the tone and did you really think out your audience? I just would like to ask Ridley Scott, but yeah. I mean, I mean, those things aside, it is just kind of fun because it is because of the genre, because it's 80s right. fantasy. So you get that fun 80s thing, the practical effects that people used in the eighties for things like this, there's something so satisfying about them, mm -hmm. about seeing them. Um, and I, I, I really personally enjoy practical effects more than CGI effects. Majority of the almost time. Almost, almost always. Yeah, right. absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking I've, about Star Wars. Of course, I'm thinking about Star Wars. Well, in Marvel too, sometimes yeah. they do a, a good mix. But, and, and you know, Ridley Scott, when he talks about this movie, he tries to talk about it like there's symbolism and that there's some kind of underlying analogies and things like that. And I'm like, uh, unicorn bro. and blah, blah, blah. Um, and a um, horn missing a horn. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. A, I didn't get the symbolism. B, I'm not sure I want to pick up what you laid down. Um, so. And you also, if you read about this, there was a lot of ambition to this. He wanted to film in the Redwoods in the US. Uh, he ended up not having the money to do that. So they used a soundstage. He wanted it to be extensively longer, uh, the quest part of it to be a lot longer. And as I hear all that, I'm like, you know, I think that would have made this movie even worse. So I'm glad you didn't do that. Um, I will say though, I read this somewhere and I didn't watch it, but that the director's cut is, is a lot better than the version we saw. 
So that makes I watched the director's cut. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Clearly, okay. it was not a big enough improvement. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. <laughs> Um, the and I looked up the differences. I don't think there's honestly there's it doesn't sound like there's that big of a difference. If the ending changes a little bit in some of the original versions. In the end, the darkness, aka Tim Curry, shows up on some level, like he laughs in the background or something. Right. And in Skeletor, right? I'll be back. No, you won't. <laughs> um, <laughs> And uh, in this one, it's just a pleasant. They're walking away from the fairy creatures and they're waving bye to them. And that's the end of the movie. So, yeah, I feel like I've talked enough about this. Yeah, that's that was that was a a good uh, (laughs) whatever for our week. What's your on fleek? My fleek is Lady Hawk. I love that film. I'm going to do uh, I'm going to get away from that though i'm gonna say willow and i i went back and forth i went back and forth i I really can't fault you yeah i know it's both of them so great it's like that episode we did with spielberg like i had to pick between jurassic park and et and there's like no way to do that and you know lady hawk was a flop it made 18.4 million on a 20 million dollar budget so it didn't do so hot uh, Willow is the most financially successful of the three, far and away, but it was also the most expensive of the three, far and away. So, make of that what you will. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna explain why. So I really I've only seen Lady Hawk twice. I saw it years ago, and then I saw it for in prep for this. And I the first time I watched it. Um, a f- two friends of mine, Mel and Patience, shout out my buddies. Um, they showed it to me and they talked about it like it was just the best thing since sliced bread. And I think they built it up a little too much for me because I was like, yeah, it's all right. Um, and then I watched it this time and I was so charmed by this movie. Yeah. Um, Matthew Broderick surprised me so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I typically I'm not a huge Matthew Broderick person, but I really like what he brought to this movie. Um, I love that he is lying all the time, even when he's doing something good. He finds a way to lie at some point somewhere in his conversation. (laughs) He is lying. I love that. I love that he's constantly having this this one way conversation with God. Um, and that, uh, at one point he's like, I'll never steal anything again, God, if you just get me out of here and he escapes and he's like, and then he steals something and he's like, I I know I made a promise to you, God, but you know that I'm weak. And it's just, (laughs) it's constant back and forth. I I loved him. I loved his comic dishonesty. (laughs) Um, yeah, I thought he was, he was great in this movie. And his character works when in a in one way it almost shouldn't work because he's kind of a third wheel, but he's the he's great in this movie. Uh, and Michelle Pfeiffer and Rutger Hauer are exactly as good as you want them to be, mm. exactly as good as you think they will be, because they're both phenomenal actors. Oh, absolutely. And they do they do a great job and they manage to have this romance without uh 
without actually okay they talk to the animal versions of themselves but let's be clear but That's you feel hard. that romance you're right you're, you feel it when, when you when Rooker Howard is looking at a hawk and talking to it he sells you on the fact that that's not just a hawk for him just like when she's talking to the wolf she sells that it's not just a wolf for her um or they're talking about like, each other right and when they're talking about each other and when they're yeah so you you buy it and that's and that takes skill i mean that the you know tom hanks from meg ryan level romantic skill right there um <laughs> so uh, I like that even though there's magic in the premise, there's almost no special effects. It's mm. it's all the the transformations are done in this very like artsy kind of way. So you're not looking at special effects and saying, oh, these look dated. This doesn't have that problem, which I think works in its favor. And for me, edges it out with Willow a little bit because Willow did use a lot of special effects and not all of them have aged so well. Whereas this was much more practical oh. camera trickery and things like that, that they used. I, um, okay. The plot I feel like is very simple and it's effective. I like the mix of the humor, the action, and then these, the pathos, the, the love and, that's and why the like honor and all that. <laughs> um, the soundtrack is horrible for the most part <laughs> yeah. like truly awful i think if that if it has one real solid ding against it it's that like get hans zimmer to come back in guys and read that for you <laughs> or something you. um you know because uh, that <laughs> was, it would have like was, horns and stuff in it right and it's not a masterpiece of a film and i and it's not supposed to be um it's just a fun little watch um and if I had to explain why it edges out Willow, I think the practical effects, um, the lack of kind of CG or, or other kind of visual trickery is one. And the other is, and this is just, I felt better when I finished Lady Hawk than I did when I finished Willow. And I can't tell you why, but I just, it just, it edged out my emotional response to it. Can we just talk about that bad dude? The bad dude that played the bishop? Oh, yeah. I, I don't know what his real name is. I forgot. Um, but he has the single greatest speaking voice and presence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, he... you know, I'm thinking about this as I'm saying it. Do I want to commit to that comment? But he's like, he just minimal movement and acting mm -hmm. freaks you out so much. Yes. <laughs> he has a stillness. He really does. And he's he doesn't chew the scenery, right? He's not hammy. Mm -mm, um, no. And in films like this, that's what you often expect. He uh, talk about foreshadowing when he has his little bishop staff and he, he pulls off and shows you the spear and he uses it to like push stuff away. I was like, yeah. oh, brother, you're going to be using that later, aren't you? Yeah. And lo and behold, he tried to. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah um he's a bad dude he is he's a bad, bad dude bad he's dude. He, he does a good job in that part so we like tim curry and this other guy i forgot his name 
yeah, the, the, the guy from the guy from War Games. He's from <laughs> he's from right. War Games. I like the War Games too. <laughs> yeah, boy, Matthew Broderick, you're you're all over the place here, bud. Oh, look at that! Look at that! Oh, I wonder if they're like BFFs. Yeah. Or if they didn't. Mark. Right. So so give me your Willow pitch. Tell My me Willow why it's pitch. So wondrous. I, I do. I need to say anything? Really? No, I don't think Willow. you do. Let's just say it's good. And... I mean, it's so good, and like, I mean, really, that's why I had to edge it out because it's it's iconic and right. talk about quotable it that thing is quotable and i mean seriously probably one of the top three quote like movies that i quote personally mm -hmm. uh, and i quote a lot of films but i really quote willow and like specifically that that uh the wit the witch lady the right horse res res Pharrell or something like that Rizelle. Yeah, um, she she's fantastic and and so so fun and the wizard and Willow himself and his family and like you talked about emotional response to their love and I'm not saying that's not real because I I feel that when I'm not watching that film I feel the same feelings for that it's real it reaches like out of the screen and takes you oh yeah but and Warwick but, Davis does such a great job but uh, yeah as Willow. He he's, does he's and 17 years old at this point. Wow. Like you, and you, you feel that you feel like you buy the dad. You feel the familial ties absolutely yeah. with with the willow and his family and like that and oh my gosh, Val Kilmer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you talk about Matthew Broderick as a foil in in Lady Hawk. Val Kilmer as a foil in in Willow super super solid, super super strong. And I love him. And those two little uh, brownies or whatever they're called, they're right. these little guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I um, love Val Kilmer in this part because this could have easily been the Han Solo character in Willow. And Willow gets a lot of comparisons drawn between it and Star Wars, which I think is largely unfair. Um, mainly that's just weird. Because, and I love Star Wars and I bring up right. Star Wars every five seconds. So that's weird um, to me. <laughs> but I love Val Kilmer in this part because he he just plays it in in a simultaneously matter-of-fact way. When it comes to like the violence and the action of the character, he's largely matter-of-fact. But anything outside of that, he is just joking and messing and playing around mm -hmm. and it makes the character so fun. I love the scene where he dresses up as a woman in order to hide from a suspicious husband. Yeah. And, you know, it's just hilarious. It um, is hilarious. And it shows, and he, it shows he you like, a great job. he lives in this moral ambiguity. Mm -hmm. um, and like, he lives in the moral ambiguity to escape the, the morally reprehensible, which is fascinating. Right. Like he's yeah. running away from, basically fighting these people that are all around um, that are horrible people. And he knows, he knows they're horrible. So he's kind of escaping that world by living right. in this gray area, this moral ambiguity. So it's well, kind of talk du about duality happening. He and the, uh, the daughter of the queen, uh, you know, the, the chemistry there, he married that woman in real life. Oh, for real? Yeah. They, this is where they met and fell in love was uh, on Willow. So the chemistry was for sure for real there. But I have to tell you, 
probably my favorite thing in this entire film is the fight between Queen Bavmora and Finn Rizel. Yeah. Oh, Those two okay. old ladies duking it out. Ooh, nah, I love it. I love it every time. I love that it goes from magic to essentially fisticuffs. Um, <laughs> like, I, I love that it's just them beating and then a the trick out of each other. And then a pig trick. Uh, and, and then to have Willow kind of do his magic at the end to, to, to make it all work out. Um, I love, uh, yeah, I love uh, this. It, it's, it's a lot of fun. And the two of them, I mean, it's, it's a tough call. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say not as a jab, but kind of as a jab to Lady Hawk, I kind of disagree with the whole, uh, the visual things aging. Well, I mean, it just looks, it looks real eighties to me. Like when they do those coloring things with the, with the camera and everything kind right. of goes into a different color. I feel like that's kind of an eighties thing. And like, it doesn't necessarily bother me because it works with the movie and it certainly works with the soundtrack. Oh, I mean, gosh. hello, Xanadu. It's like, <laughs> um, hello. Um, anyway, but I mean that I could poke that a little bit, um, but it's, it's beautifully resonates, but it's just in terms of scale does not reach the kind of scale that willow willow did does and like continues to do and uh is so super fun and i've talked it up again so i want to watch it again (laughs) because it's it's so good so iconic so quotable so fun with such great performances and hello like willow (laughs) (laughs) believe in the words I don't really, I don't see much of an argument here for us. I feel like both of no. us understand our fleeks. We certainly understand our week. Uh, uh, we do. That Back bad boy. So we were ready to rate these things then? Sure. How many unicorn horns? How many, how many, <laughs> how many broken unicorn horns should we give this? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say a six. I'm going to say a six like uh, legend brings it pretty far down for me. It does. But Willow um, is so very strong. Willow is, is so good. And Lady Hawk is good too, but they're, they're both, they're both things where, and this is just me speaking for me where I watch them and I don't need to go and rewatch them again and again and again. They don't have that kind of thing where they're they're pulling me back in on the regular. Um, I will watch them both probably more recently than I've watched either of them because I found new things that I've enjoyed more, but they still for like I can't hold them up to some of the other things, um, you know, the other things that we really, really oh, love. Wait, I'm going to I'm going to go up above that. I'm going to say seven, maybe even seven and a half. And legend is very low, but. Lady Hawk, it just pierces yes, your your soul. It stays with you. And Willow does the same thing, only in a grander scale, in a more quotable scale. So I'm going to say seven and a half. So there you go. We got a six and a seven and a half. We got a, a week with some very good points to it. We've got a couple of right. fleets that are super solid, uh, you know, 20, 30 years later, what year is it? I, don't know. Right. I would say YouTube 
Tim Curry legend. Watch the bits of him where just appreciate that performance and that makeup. I don't think you need to watch the movie itself. Uh, and the other two definitely sure. check out. Absolutely, 100%.